Hello and welcome back to Watching Worst Film, the weekly podcast where we journey through the winners and the losers of the Golden Raspberry Awards, an annual ceremony dedicated to the very worst from Hollywood and beyond. As always, I'm your host Kyle, joined with, as always, Jericho. Hello. Hello. And uh, we're journeying back to 1982, back to the safety of the 80s, but the early 80s, so maybe not as safe as I expected, <laughs> with a, a little movie, a little war epic called Inchon, with a capitalised explanation mark occasionally, um, and some versions, some versions not. Yeah, this any, as always, we'll talk about a bit of the background of this film. Have you had any idea? Do you have any sort of association with this film at all? Prior to us doing our list of all the Razzie winners, I had never heard of the movie Inchon. Yeah, as the exact same. And even prior to what, I mean, I've been putting this off for a long time. This is one I've been dreading just on its sort of infamy. Um, the few things I knew about it were, it is regarded as one of the worst films, period, and two and a half hours long. And that was scary to me. You know, I'm accustomed to really drab war films, especially at this like time period. And it just, I had no interest. I want the weird, I want, give me weird sex dramas and <laughs> ramble films. I don't really have any interest in this. So this was completely blind for me. I did know uh, Laurence Olivier was in it. That was pretty much all I knew about it. I just want to say, is this like a school thing? Is this like a rebellious school thing? Like, don't make me learn. I'm here for movies <laughs> well, that no. fun. Don't try and teach me about <laughs> things. I, I, I love a good war film as much as the next person. But this is like, you know, when you get the fear of a bad war film, where yeah. it's going to be stuffy, drab, in a board, you know, in a war room, boardroom, you know, if it's not, I'm here, I'm here to learn. I've learned a lot about, I, I only know Vietnam War because of like Apocalypse Now and MASH. And um, Rambo. So, <laughs> and Rambo. <laughs> well, after, after the Vietnam yeah. War, I know, I know the second Taking war Taking notes, on. Vietnam, <laughs> not good, not fun. <laughs> but yeah, I genuinely had no idea about this film. It was kind of, which is kind of a good thing. I've, I've said before that I, I like going in blind to things. I like yeah. not having, you know, it's what we always speak about, the fear of when we get to Battlefield Earth. Yeah. We know it, we've seen it before, and it's no one to expect. But when it's completely blind, I'm quite open to something. But yeah, I tried to put this off as long as I could, and we couldn't put it off any longer. So let's get down to it. Uh, 1982's Inchin, directed by... Something I'll get into <laughs> in a second, but a certain Terence Young with a budget, which is a bit strange because I've seen different figures looking it up. Some say about 46, 45 million. Some say there's slightly higher, over 50 million. Yeah. It was a notorious flop, though. Do you know the returns or could you take a guess? Um, I looked them up, cause, I guess, because we didn't establish which one of us was hosting this episode. I did look them up, unfortunately. It was around 5 million, was it? Yeah, again, different sort of numbers anywhere between 2 million and 5 million definitely no more than 5 million <laughs> well it's given as like a legendary loss isn't it and i was like i don't think this is even the biggest loss we've covered on the razzies i guess swept away still swept, that ratio swept away <laughs> um i mean it made some money yeah um, it probably paid for olivier's fee at the very least or yeah. Terence young's fee but yeah it didn't get a very good run. It got a very limited theatrical run. Yeah. Um, I did read that this film came out in 81, or it was originally released, and then 82's theatrical release. Yeah. Again, a lot of the production stuff we'll get into, but yeah, it's a, it's a flop. It's not up there with like Heaven's Gate in terms of, you know, held up as an example of like a massive 
box office bomb. But no, it's not swept away levels, and um, I'm, I think we'll cover. I don't think anything will hit swept away levels. But anyway, yeah, that's ten percent of its budget. You know, a tenth or whatever came back. But anyway, right into it. So um, this is a strange film in terms of it's hard to break down beat by beat. It's hard to talk about in terms of like a overarching plot uh, you said we're not going to cover the whole korean war which is which is handy so right off the bat though my first note is the very first screen it's a title credit says this film is not a documentary which made me smile which was which was great well because... i was fucking pissed off because i was like <laughs> i t- the reason i might have mentioned the school thing earlier was i was like great i don't actually know that much about the korean war like maybe it's because the uk wasn't like hugely involved in it outside like a un capacity but i was like Mm. okay if nothing else i'm gonna learn a little bit more about the korean war because i don't really know anything beyond the combatants and roughly the time period yeah i'm I'm the exact same apart from the rough time my uh my granddad on my mom's side um actually I don't think he served. He, well, I have a medal from the Korean War. Wow. I'll have to hunt it down and get it. Yeah. To put it up. He, he worked on um, some ships. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I think it was just some allied UN ship. Uh-huh. He wasn't an active combatant, I don't believe. But yeah. I, have a, I have a medal from his time in the Korean War. And he was quite upset. This is a film he would have loved. You know, he had yeah. um, rows of VHSs taped off TV um, movies. And he... He was really passionate about the Korean War, but I wasn't, you know, because yeah. did they make a sitcom about it in the 70s? You know, just... <laughs> it's not one of the glamorous <laughs> wars, exactly. No, it? and I, I, apart from the fact I know it's still technically ongoing, you know, it was only a ceasefire, and the North Korean, South Korean sort of divide still continues to this day. Other than that, though, I, I don't know anything. So, again, when you're talking about, like, in a school way, I could learn something. I'm not going to, but I could learn something from this film. Well, no, you can't, because that's why I was so annoyed when the first thing you see is like, this is not a documentary. Don't expect to learn anything. We've distorted these facts. This has been dramatised for entertainment. I was like, oh, God. I'm going to sit for two and a half hours and still come out none the wiser about the Korean War. Well, that, no, that is very true. I, I think it just made me smile because... I like that. I like when something has to tell you it's not a documentary. Have you ever heard of a fi- uh, slightly off topic, but have you ever heard of a film called Lake Mungo? Um, no, I don't think I have. No, it's a it's a really good little horror uh, mockumentary, and um, I, I thoroughly recommend it to anyone. And I watched it with my girlfriend, who wasn't aware that it was a mockumentary and yeah. thought it was real. <laughs> and uh, it's, I was like, oh, they need to put disclaimers on everything at now. Every you know, you go see Avatar, and I want to see this is not a. Not a documentary. <laughs> and then we open with a, a, a map and a little bit of a rundown of sort of the combatants and sides of this lead up to the Korean War. Yeah. Commies are bad. Yeah. Capitalists are good. South Koreans, <laughs> America, all the good guys. We're back um, in Rambo territory. You want your yeah, Diet yeah. Cokes, don't you? You're not going to get those <laughs> under those dirty goddamn reds. So yeah, and then it's okay. I was a, I was a little bit confused i i didn't know what to expect like i said before this was going to be completely new territory for me however in the first opening first five minutes i i was my jaw was swinging because um credit after credit just kept popping up yeah i just did not expect um the first one was yeah it's a a terence young picture yeah who which as always brings it back to james bond for me um (laughs) terence young is best known for directing dr no from Russia with Love and Thunderball. So that's one, the, he's, the first three, isn't it? Apart from Goldfinger, he, he stepped away to do something else. Oh, okay. It was an, 
a notorious bomb as well, I believe, and then came back to do Thunderball. And he never returned to the franchise. But he, the OGs, the OG director, and although some of those films maybe aren't the best directed, he's not my favourite Bond director. Um, Martin Campbell is of GoldenEye and Casino Royale. But um, he is, you know, he's a very competent director. He's yeah. very... Um, very he's got a certain look yeah a certain framing um you very recognizable yeah so that was great for me and i know i know it's 1982 and it's not 1962 so he's <laughs> much like much like sir lawrence olivier he's, he's older yeah. um he's perhaps doing probably, this for the money could we say oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see we'll see um and then i think the next point i mean the credits i, I was still shocked by that was that richard roundtree was completely took me off I, <laughs> and I, I should fucking shafts in the movie and I, I didn't expect shaft and uh hamlet to appear in the you know so lawrence olivier and yeah. richard roundtree to be in the same film just, just <laughs> i was gobsmacked and then once again it brings it around because the next credit that i marked out for was music by jerry goldsmith yeah which i just i mean i don't know why because he's you know he's a very prolific composer yeah. He's one of my favourites, obviously. We spoke about um, Rambo, he's in Star Trek. He's he's going to come up again in this podcast when we get around to him. And out of curiosity, and I, I saved this for the episode, I actually looked up what he did in 1982, you know, because I knew how busy he was. Yeah. So this is the same year, of course, as First Blood, the original. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. And he also did The Secret of Nim. Oh, and yeah. And he also... He also did Poltergeist as well this year. Wow. Very prolific. Next year, the following year, he does My Beloved Psycho 2 and famous um, child murderer Twilight Zone, the movie as well. Uh, you know, it's just, he's a very, very, he also did um, a film that was called The Challenge, which I've never seen, and uh, Night Crossing in 1982. So that's five or six movies I think he did yeah. this year alone. So very busy. To his credit, all these scores as well are vastly different yeah this isn't like first blood which is i I think it's amazing that if you're doing two sort of war films in the same year not to have any crossovers or yeah similar definitely sort of sounds so right off the bat i, I just I'm, I'm very happy to see one of my favorite composers someone that i've got a lot of time for a director that i know shaft you know i'm i'm happy i'm excited already and you know the first opening scene i'm seeing Massive explosions. I'm seeing war tanks. I'm seeing tanks go through houses. <laughs> I, I said it to you. I I did not expect this. I, I went in yeah. with such low expectations that already three minutes in, okay, you've you've got my time. You've got my attention straight away. Well, I just want to add my my one was Toshiro Mifune because I'd been watching a lot of the Kurosawa retrospective at the BFI, and so big fan of him. And I don't think I'd ever seen him in a non-Japanese film before. So... You know, I, I, I've, it's unfortunate. I've seen all the Kurosawas. I love Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and etc. But I didn't recognize the name straight away. I recognized him. Yeah. When he when he appeared, but um, I didn't expect to see him. I wouldn't have really connected that straight away which is you know my bad it's not <laughs> fucking franco nero or something appears on mark out <laughs> fucking shaft comes out but no yeah but one of the greatest uh, <laughs> japanese actors to ever live oh was that kind of bond film was that guy from <laughs> you want to live twice um, yeah like seeing such a powerful cast yeah. competent people behind the cameras and behind the scenes and yeah sort of a budget as well not being stuck in an office for the first five minutes of I was I was I was really 
intrigued. I was. It's a good security blanket, isn't it? Is like, oh, um, actors from like some of the greatest Shakespearean epics ever made and Shaft can't be wrong. They must have signed <laughs> on for good reason. But we get started with a little caption, which I wrote down, setting the scene after we get all the sort of like disclaimers of like, this is not real, mm-hmm. don't believe any of this, and the maps. We get, we open our setting. A small village, 10 miles away, Sunday. <laughs> which, just... which, is, which, which is just amazing. And it's something <laughs> that I must admit kind of bugged me later because there's captions for every time there's a location change. Yeah. If we go to Seoul, if we go to any other location but they never tell me what fucking day it's in you know no so i we don't know it all takes place on a sunday the vietnam war was t- fought <laughs> over one sunday i was expecting like so the other guy we have is but haven't mentioned him because i don't i don't really know him. ben gazara is kind yeah. of the lead he he is the lead um, yeah i i didn't recognize the name but i recognized him yeah um i, I know he's in lots of things i looked him up he's in stuff like he's in the big lebowski apparently is he um, oh yeah. yeah yeah no hang on hang on okay okay um <laughs> he's also in roadhouse so that's where I was like, oh, that's what it is it's fucking roadhouse that's where i know yeah very prolific very well-known actor he he is our lead as well he is the first character it's showing his sort of relationship ways wife i can't believe and... i didn't get it he's jackie treehorn of course yeah. oh my god <laughs> yeah but you're this right. is but this, but this is 1982. Yeah. If you do, you know, I mean, I can't miss Shaft from a mile away. But yeah. I would, I wouldn't met, you know, even um, Yojimbo himself. Yeah. I would have, you know, it's 20 years later past their, you know, it's not their time periods. I'm kind of used to a lot of them. Yeah, from, yeah. <laughs> which we'll get into, we'll get into with Sir Lawrence as well because. Um, Most of them passed their prime. Ben Gazara yet to enter his prime. Exactly, exactly. Log jamming was just like, it was, you know, just a small <laughs> seed in his mind that had yet to grow to fruition. But yeah, so I was going to say the reason I brought him up was like, it, it's almost, he's sort of the like, the sort of human sentimental story. Um, it's maybe because I've just watched Titanic, but it's like we've got this sort of <laughs> historical epic and then kind of a romance told alongside it. And Ben yeah. Gazzara is the Jack who, in his lovely romantic story, is cheating on his wife with a Korean woman. And so yes. I was expecting to have the little caption setting the scene, like, a Korean woman's bedroom, a few miles Sunday. away. <laughs> Sunday, yeah. <laughs> but the, the 10 miles away thing... Annoyed me because I was like, 10 miles away, 10 miles away from what? From the Korean border? From my house? From where I'm watching it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where are we? I assumed everything's centered around Inchon itself. So 10 miles away oh, from Inchon. Oh, that's smart. That's, yeah. my, that's my thinking there. <laughs> everything's an Inchon to me, though. <laughs> um, yeah, you did say, we're recording this, uh, we're recording this episode like eight hours behind Inchon time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's. That's the... I, I agree with you. There's no point in trying to summarise the plot of this movie when generally it's... Um, Korean War takes place and man negotiates not want to be with his wife and then later decides, like, ah, you're all right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just that sort of small-scale, large-scale, and it doesn't really know who it's following. It kind of shifts... Mm-hmm. over time but ben gazara have we said he's he's a u.s army officer yes he is he's a major 
Yeah. Okay. Great. And so, yeah, <laughs> how to uh, <laughs> how to now segue into this? So, uh, his his wife is so he's been he's been stationed in Korea, and mm. his wife is coming to meet him. Yeah, I think so. Like I, again, my memory on the exact details and stuff um, already are a bit foggy, but they were having some sort of re- reunion. She was coming over to Korea. Yeah, I think because of the distance of time, they haven't seen each other. He's obviously been stationed over there for a while. Yeah, hanging out with a Shaft. So yeah, yeah that's Jacqueline Bisset. Bisset. Yeah, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Which again, I'm going to get it right now. I recognised her from something. I was like, <laughs> I've, I've seen you before, yeah. and I couldn't think. I was, I was like, was it Marsh? Is it you know Taxi or something? Is it some sitcom? <laughs> am I thinking of? Um, no, she's in my beloved 1967 Casino Royale <laughs> as a as a smirsh assassin um <laughs> tiny tiny role and it might not be that i remember her but i i recognized her and i'm i'm, I'm connecting it all to my bonds this is my bond film this is my closest i'll get to a bond film this is a good year for casino royale because uh, there's another one coming up in the second half so there is um yeah um at least at least another one but <laughs> yeah so to go back to what you said the action is is quite good in this film i like the action um mm-hmm. it's got a good scale to it I was expecting this to be like for it to be a Razzie winner. I was expecting the action to be like dreadful. I was like, it's gonna be like the Korean War was fought between like five people, or mm. like it was. It, I was expecting like yeah, five people, or like one Korean guy, and then a bunch of American extras made up like Sean yeah. Connery. I was like, there's gonna be something, but it does have that kind of like Bond scale to it, where mm-hmm. it might just be that it's done practically in uh in an era when we're used to everything being done with cgi but the the plot all of the character interactions all of that was absolute nonsense but the actual on just a visceral level of watching people shoot each other and things blow up (laughs) it was directed Um, quite well because it's kind of indistinguishable from like bond action scenes (laughs) i mean that's what i was saying this is what really quickly got rid of some of my fears is because I it's what you were saying, I expected a lot of it to be off screen. Yeah. I expected Sir Lawrence to answer a phone and hear about what was happening yeah. know, through dialogue or looking out a window or something. <laughs> Look what's happening. And there's over a little there. model tank <laughs> rolling across yeah, the yeah. Or stock you know, when you're thinking of a Razzie film, I'm like, it's gonna be stock footage. It's gonna yeah, be yeah. off screen, spoken about and more the aftermath or behind the scenes. Yeah, that nonsense. We want I violence. Want to see that. <laughs> I want to see a violence. Um, especially when you've got all these, you know, especially yeah. when you've got Shaft involved. Yeah. I want to see everyone on ground. And that is is the best part of the film because the behind the scenes, and I got, of course that can be done great. Of course you can do, you know, slow methodical drama or something that is about the behind the scenes of war. But, when it's a Razzie film, I, I don't want to see a bad one of that. I want yeah. to see, I'd rather see bad action than just bad plotting. I'd rather see bad action start. than no action. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. And this isn't bad action, like you said. No, there's, yeah. it's the practical effects. Um, there's obviously a budget to it as well, which is yeah. I think coming away, coming up, coming off swept away, where it seemed to have no budget. Um, <laughs> yeah. This was great to see. I I don't expect this from an, a Razzie winning picture to be honest i yeah. expect yeah i expect something totally different so yeah i mean 
again, I can't really go through. There, there is a scene on a, a explosion on the bridge. I have um, that written got, down. The bridge scene. It's, it's, yeah, it's my favorite. Um, I genuinely really, Probably really liked too, it. Yeah. Mrs. Gazara, yeah. um, whose name I can't remember, is driving across it. Um, yeah. Shafts there as well. It's great. Yeah, it's got a very practical effect as well. I, I assume yeah. a real bridge was blown up. I'm getting. Yeah good the bad the ugly sort of vibes i like yeah. to see bridges explode it's just <laughs> something very you know satisfying about it yeah. there's a part as well where the cars that she's in is you know sort of sliding as well well I, for me it was the dark night rises it's the end of that when joseph gordon levitt <laughs> has to get the orphans across the bridge and the like the army are like you take one more step and we're gonna blow this bridge <laughs> it's it's that where mrs gazara is trying to get some korean orphans across the bridge yeah. And yeah, it's it's like a it's a moderately tense scene in amongst a load of crap. Was, well, that's it. I was gonna I was gonna joke to you. I was like, oh, you know, I'm expecting Spider Man to come <laughs> and save the day and hold hold the bridge together yeah, or something. Yeah. But um, I, I actually got sucked into it for a moment, yeah. and again, just not what I was expecting. I didn't expect to genuinely be watching something with like intense purpose you know i expect it just to be like mindlessly drifting through the and i do mindlessly drift through a lot of this film as yeah well. like, me too not, let's not <laughs> let's not suggest <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then right away like disclaimer inchon inchon's not a great movie it's no. not um it's not even a good movie no but it's when the bar is and what we're talking about with like razzies and what kind of warrants worst picture it's not that um yeah. so I, it's something i wanted to speak about was like the production of okay hang on I've, i have one final scene of the actual film okay so if you want to prove you're not a capitalist puppet shoot them that's great. another that's another scene, scene that is like pretty intense because yep. who 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 is it is that mifune i can't remember i just watched uh, when i was flicking through it, i was going to steal yeah. it from my uh, background um, yeah but I, I thought it actually looked too it looks too much like a, a kurosawa like yeah, scene or something exactly you know? it's a, um, an intense like uh, uh a, a guy is forced to um forced by the north koreans to execute like uh um a bunch of like south koreans and yeah, yeah it's like a uh like one of those like double agent kind of things and like, oh, to prove your loyalty, to prove you're fighting for the mm -hmm. right side, kill these civilians, and it's 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 really intense, both yeah, psychologically, no, and then when he shoots them, there's that visceral kind of like, doo -doo 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 -doo. and for one brief Absolutely. moment, you're like, oh shit, that's probably how easy it would be to kill a bunch of civilians yeah. is like just blink of an eye, assault rifle. Bang! All of a sudden, That's it. And, you have and all the of this score reflects it as well. You yeah. know, it's not got this. It's not held. It is blink, and it's over, and it gives it such an impact as well. Um, that yeah. was a genuinely tense scene, which came out again. Some of the jarring effects when it's jumping between Douglas MacArthur slash Lawrence Olivier, and to some of these scenes gives me a little bit of whiplash. Um, yeah, and I think we'll talk about Sir Lawrence's part more yeah um because we're talking about more the the parts i enjoyed I, yeah. I really enjoyed i really enjoyed the finale as well when they've got to get to turn the lights yeah the lighthouse <laughs> and turn on you know there's there's flashes of thunderball is what i said to you yeah yeah, yeah. not not shot like thunderball can but, you imagine you know, if they'd got 80s conrad on this oh <laughs> i mean and um that was, it was something i was i was gonna bring up actually i forgot was terence young himself 
turned down Never Say Never Again. Oh. He was approached to do it. And I thought it was because of this film. Yeah. I don't know if the time, because Never Say Never Again is 83. Yeah. So Conrad's a bit busy. So for um, listeners, Never Say Never Again is the unauthorized Bond. Yes, it's the yeah. non-eon. Yeah. It's a Kevin McClory produced remake of Thunderball, which yeah. he had the rights to. Yeah. The Bond licenses were a bit all over the place until Eon swallowed them all up by... 2000 i think they had everything uh, as explains why i always go on about casino royale 1967 it's the other <laughs> non-official yeah. uh, non-eon one and i i like them both uh, for weird different reasons yeah so i i could i could actually imagine connery in this film yeah actually 1982 connery he, he could have been ben gazzara for all i care putting on a I, an I, american accent <laughs> i just want him parachuted in at the end uh for, for the little frogman diving scene i want them to be like well, yeah. we've got a we've got a contact from mi6 um, uh, do you use uh, a match no i use a lighter um. <laughs> Bond, you know, Yajimbo and Shaft teamed up <laughs> to turn on a lighthouse. That's what that's what I want to see. Um but I, I really liked it. I really liked that the that sort of finale aspect of it. It it felt different to the rest of the film. It wasn't in broad daylight in a field. It had some, you know, different locations, different outfits, different <laughs> an, an actual like goal as well, which was really nice rather than just shoot commies. Yeah. So um I, I really liked it. And that they're my Big three moments, the bridge scene, the execution scene, and the lighthouse scene. I, I really enjoyed them. In a shorter movie, without, again, what we'll get into, the sort of Lawrence stuff, I, I could have made a much more compact, enjoyable movie out of this. Yeah, so I, I think we've kind of hammered it enough, but just to make it abundantly clear, like this isn't a good movie. It's just because our expectations were so low yeah. that when we were able to enjoy scenes on sort of like a detached level, that was enough to give it, if not pass marks, honourable fail in our books. Hundred percent. Um and the other thing might be like reading what other people have said our ignorance of the Korean War may also have helped because uh, I don't know if I'm missing some context to get really mad about it. So, yeah, it might be like if you watched Saving Christmas without any idea of what Christianity was. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we just... Lots of people were getting mad at how historically inaccurate and offensive and so on and so forth this film was and... A lot of that flew over my head because I was like, "It did to me." This um, is, yeah, I was like, "This is just an unnuanced, like this is just any any propaganda film where yeah. communism bad, America good." And I, I know the, the amount of sort of action war films I've seen from like the Italian exploitation seventies. Yeah, you know that's what I'm used to when it's on that kind of scale of all oh, this shit that's quite offensive and yeah. just featured. Yeah. But, you know, fucking, we just watched Rambo <laughs> First Blood Part 2, you know? <laughs> like, that, you know, if you're I don't care as well. I, I don't, unless you're presenting a documentary or a you know, realistic, <laughs> this is how it was, and you're telling me it's fact, I, I really don't care. I didn't, I didn't think it was grossly offensive. I mean, the North Koreans are depicted as evil and yeah. one-sided but it, so they are so are they in the media like we get yeah, that like, on tv every day basically exactly. we get russians um, are just like <laughs> <laughs> like soulless killing machines that have no no value for uh life and justice like i don't know it's 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 not 
and in the wider in the wider media landscape, this didn't leap out as being yeah. anything uh, too Absolutely. egregious. And um, we've seen we've seen worse, and we will see worse probably. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's something we'll get. I'll just kind of clear now. The negative reception for this, the the reviews. Um, yeah. I did I did try and read a few. Yeah. I know you tried to look up some as well on like IMDb. Yeah. I don't think anyone's seen this fucking movie. No. I think people dogpile on it it's got the reputation um i i believe people have seen heaven's gate i believe people have yeah. seen you know other films that are sort of got the infamy i don't think people have seen this film well to to get into it how would people see this film well like... yes so <laughs> yeah, we watched this on youtube yeah and so this is this is a freely available um movie that we could watch yeah your listeners yeah and it was a TV edited version with Good Life. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, Good Life. The Good Life Channel uh, the good or something. <laughs> TV network. Yeah. So um, I got. I, I looked this up. I was curious um, because I just was. I wasn't unsure. I had never heard of this channel, I and mean, I assumed it was like a a TBS. You know, like a classic Turner. You know, yeah. film station. Yeah, yeah. And at at the time, the Good Life TV network was owned by the Unification Church. Oh, hello. <laughs> so, which is, which is going to bring us into some of the production, because that is also who funded this movie. Yeah. Um, so they had the rights to it. They've never released this on home video or DVD. It's never been shown on any other network, as far yeah. as I'm aware. The only way to have seen this was 2002, or whenever they showed it on their network, or through this ripped copy that's on YouTube. This is This is essentially a lost piece of media, really. Well, that's why it was such a weird experience of, like, it was kind of like a pan and scan, weird, distorted aspect ratio, and it faded out for ad breaks every so often, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which... In, this some, is a... some of them were really noticeable. I, mean, I forgot yeah. some of them. Some of them just yeah. kind of... Some of them are just, like, non- fade to black in between a fade scene. Fade to black, transition. But, but some of them are glaring, for... yeah. Yeah, and I was like, is that the movie over? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. We do like to watch these movies in sort of the highest quality, give this movie the best sort of chance it can. But this, there's just no way to watch Inchin that isn't in this weird TV edit because it's basically been lost. Which is such a a shame as well, because I think we were talking about some of the bigger scale scenes and set pieces would have looked, I I said it to you without a trace of irony, I would like to see this on Blu-ray, I'd like to see this remastered. Do we get in touch with Quentin Tarantino and be like, (laughs) Quentin, can you do a big screen, can you show Inchin from a 35mm print? (laughs) Please, (laughs) because I I just I want to see it in like proper clarity, you know, I want to see some of these sets and some of these pieces, I want to see I just want to hear it, like the way it probably wasn't intended and yeah. I, I don't think it'll improve the movie that much but it would be more of a visual treat yeah. and um some of the again the bigger scale action scenes and stuff i, I genuinely think would be great and i like you've said before maybe it's because we're used to modern times but yeah i really want to see this and we can't yeah <laughs> so before we sort of before i start going into some of the strange production and background of this film i think there is one elephant in the room we kind of need to talk about before we wrap up this film and that is, it's its selling point, it's its name that's front and centre, and yeah. it's Sir Lawrence Olivier as General Douglas MacArthur. Um, I can't really avoid, we have avoided speaking about him, despite <laughs> being the main selling point. So, yeah, Jericho, what do you think of 
Sir Lawrence's performance in this movie. Well, taking aside the script, he is the worst thing about this movie. Yes. By far. And shockingly so. Yeah. I, I, I think that, I think most people are accustomed to one performance or at least a parody or something of Olivier that they'll know about and recognise. Yeah. I said it to you while we are watching this, if I didn't know, I wouldn't have recognised him. Well, he's just, he's clotted in makeup and I couldn't quite work out like what he looks like. He almost looks like the, um, you know, the evil puppet in Nightmare, or not the evil puppet, you know, the evil doctor in Nightmare Before Christmas, who's like, yeah. oh, Sally, oh, I gotta yes. do that. He looks like that, essentially. <laughs> he's just, it's, uh, it's, it's so strange. I was trying to work out what he looked like. Yes, uh, you know, he's got these weird pencil thin eyebrows that have been drawn on he looks like the shriveled corpse of john waters occasionally i thought the john waters thing yeah it's like he's like a shit snl version of john waters yeah that's exactly like his mustache is peeled off and he's put on his eyebrow or something yeah yeah german expressionist (laughs) john waters where he's almost like he's got like a powdered like his face his complexion just looks a bit he doesn't yeah there's something it's so odd um death masked waters (laughs) (laughs) and that's not what i'm used to i guess i know this is 1982 so it's 30 years or whatever after his heyday but I, I, w- I would never have recognised him straight away. His accent isn't as bad as that's probably the best thing about the performance I can say it was yeah. semi-believable yeah. the performance itself though is fucking shocking Yeah, it's I know it's phoned in. It's something with the production that he, you know he's obviously not his heart in this film, but wow, it's like a parody almost of a what you expect a performance from him to be. It doesn't help that he's tied into the worst aspects of the film, but yeah, he's just he's so like even. Laurence Olivier, like arguably one of the greatest actors who has ever lived, even him phoning it in would be better than what he does. Yeah, it's like it's like sabotage. It's like yeah, it's like he forgot how to act for um, the duration of the shoot. Um, And that's it. Like, and even when you know, so his subplot of uh, getting involved and drafted in with the plan, and he's you know, yeah. home life, and he's, he's dog called Blackie, I remember that, and um, all this shit, basically, when he actually gets involved in the main, when it all starts tying together, and he's involved, and even my lighthouse scene that I loved, he stands out so much when he's surrounded by anybody, when he's not in a room with his dog and his wife, it's maybe just as <laughs> boring, I don't give a shit, but when he's actively involved a lot more, he is horrendous, There's not much more you can say other than his genuinely baffling well have you seen have you seen the quote from him why he uh explained why he signed on yeah read out for our listeners please people ask me why i'm playing this picture the answer is simple money dear boy i'm like a vintage wine you have to drink me quickly before i turn sour i'm almost used up now and i can feel the end coming that's why i'm taking money now i've got nothing to leave my family but the money i can make from films nothing is beneath me if it pays well I've earned the right to damn well grab whatever I can in the time I've got left. Which, yeah, grab your bag, Lawrence. <laughs> grab um, your bag, King. So yeah, I guess I, that ties neatly into why anyone's involved in this film. Why <laughs> Terence Young's here, again, all these sort of pastor prime names or lower budget names is because this is a this is a very strangely funded film. It's something we looked up after watching it. 
which only makes it more appealing to me. This is um, <laughs> this this was funded by the Unification Church, better known, I guess, better known. I don't know if people know still that talk about it as the Moonies. Yeah, <laughs> um, named after the founder Sun Sun Myung Myung, I believe it's Sun Myung Moon, who is uncredited on this as a producer. He apparently coughed up 40 million of his own money to put this in, which good tax right off, I guess. Yeah. My favorite little sort of piece of trivia, as he said, it came to him in a dream. Um, he was <laughs> wanting, to, wanting to make a, a big budget movie. I believe it was Elvis. I think he was going to do a biopic on Elvis, but Tom Hanks wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a dream and no, you've got to do it on the Battle of Inchin and General MacArthur, whatever his name is. So God told him, I mean, God told him to do mass weddings and sort of all the stuff that the Unification Church is infamous for. But this was a direct command from God to make this or finance this movie. So it explains sort of the, I guess, why people would see it as South Korean propaganda, because yeah, it, it was. Is, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I guess this also could have been a reason, because I don't think this fact was kept hidden. I think this is quite leaked or well known that it was a, um, Mooney film and that's probably why it got completely shit on it's probably hampered its theatrical run well people um, were worried that the Moonies were going to be recruiting in the theatres like yeah. and you'd be like I don't know grabbed and abducted or brainwashed by the Moonies if you uh, went to see it so yeah that probably well, didn't yeah. help <laughs> help no, the box well, office I mean, receipts it's, it's a Again, I don't. It's going to come to it again, but um, it's Battlefield Earth, Earth yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone thought you were going to be, you know, full of thetans when you came out of the cinema. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so I, I guess it's it's, it's a, a valuable lesson that Scientology didn't learn is don't don't finance these big budget movies. They're not going to yeah. win them over. It's it's only going to be a PR disaster. Operate yeah. quieter in the background. You know, build yourself up. Don't yeah. Fucking, but hey. He got to work for you know. I'm sure he was a Bond fan. Um, <laughs> is this you just a, being, yeah, if I was a cult leader, I too would be. <laughs> I was a cult leader, I, this is probably what I would do. Um, so yeah, very strange. Which just you know raises more. I'd like to see a documentary on this film. I'd like to. I for wish there sure. was behind the scenes footage. Yeah. I'd like to see interviews with the cast and the crew. Yeah, I know. I know. I think Richard Roundtree's still alive. So if okay. I ever get a chance to interview him, come um, on the podcast, Mister Roundtree. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak about um, Inchin, um, because yeah, it's just it's fascinating. It's like yeah. you know, it's a heart of darkness to apocalypse. Now there's got to be existing out here. There's got to be some sort of story here that's just really intriguing about it. Um, well, with with my my go to of Herzog, where's our burden of dreams about the making of Inchin? <laughs> <laughs> this passion yeah. project Inchin, which everyone was really invested in. Absolutely. <laughs> But the, the Moonies probably ties into one of the other weirder things about the film, which was why I made the Kirk Cameron connection, is like this almost seems like an overtly like faith film in points. Because I don't know if that was a key part to General MacArthur, but like when he's hanging around talking to his wife, the like ass just falls out of the film. Like mm-hmm. he's praying or he's looking at like religious art like there's 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 a scene where he just recites the lord's prayer and we yeah, just kind does. of watch him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is in a, in a church sermon sort of setting as well yeah. I, I, there is a lot of uh, it's heavy i mean we've watched we've watched saving christmas so we've watched more heavy-handed sort of christian propaganda essentially 
I, I didn't get that completely from it. I mean, it is, it is ham-fisted at times, but maybe he was, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about fucking General MacArthur. I don't know. Maybe maybe the South Koreans were having this boom in Christianity in the 50s. I'm not, I'm here to learn. So <laughs> <got> to... <laughs> <laughs> that, that famous Adam Sandler quote, I'm here to learn, everybody. Yeah, um... I don't, again, this is a film that would have definitely benefited from more research and more context because I don't really know anything about how the Moonies work in terms of, yeah, do they do yeah. they put the Lord's Prayer on a particular pedestal? I know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Was I activated? Was there some secret code in the Lord's <laughs> Prayer? And now I'm going to go off and join the remnants of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Final scene. Final scene probably has to be discussed just with yes. uh, relevance to Laurence Olivier's performance because yes. he's giving a big speech and they make what is perhaps the most ill-advised decision they could possibly do where they cut from Laurence Olivier to like archive footage of the real General MacArthur yeah. and you just like, I can feel you reeling from across the, <laughs> across the country in text form, just like, oh, Oh, that was a bad um, yeah, move it was showing you. <laughs> that was a, it was, it was a, it's a really bad move. I mean, I've seen, you know, a, a lot of biopics can do that, especially when it's done relative. If you're proud of the performance and you've done well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure The Doors does it. I'm sure Oliver Stone's done it occasionally. Yeah, but when it's really fucking bad, <laughs> do not do not leave that as my final. Because I didn't know who the I don't know what fucking General MacArthur looked like or sounded like. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm yeah. not American. I don't give a shit really. So showing me in black and white this is actually what he looked like and this is actually what he sounded like he didn't look like the corpse of john wars he didn't have terrible <laughs> monologues and weird delivery at times no you know i was like ah oh, jesus christ it left such a bad taste in my mouth <laughs> I did, I'm, I, I'm grateful though it did end it didn't end on this olivier speech though because that's it was fucking yeah boring, that's no way to go out that's, that's a wet <laughs> fart i don't want that i want you know at least it's something to talk about and remember yeah um, but yeah that's a poor poor creative choice very strange but yeah that's that's it i don't do you have anything else do you really want to add about inching well no not really i'm sorry listeners this is we'll hopefully pick this up in the second half when we'll be returning to some of our favorites and be a bit more fired up and passionate mm -hmm. but this is an odd film, um, which makes for not a great episode. <laughs> it, it's it's like we said, it's it's because it's. I mean, there is some subplots and lines throughout it, but they are yeah. so inconsequential. They're not yeah. really related to the big explosions in a field. It's, yeah, you know, most of the film, the most enjoyable parts of it. It's nowhere near as bad as I expected. It was interesting. It yeah. has a great background that I'm fascinated by. I, I, I like seeing. I thought I actually did think Richard Roundtree was really good in it as well. Yeah, most I, of the most of the cast I, with Olivier are pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's everyone seems to be putting in a decent performance. And the dialogue they're given is isn't great, but they 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 do well. Yeah. Yeah, they do well, but they do the best they can. And, you know, again, I like the big budget. I like some of it quite a lot. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised. I never will watch this again. It's not a good film. Again, yeah. I'll keep saying that. I was so pleasantly surprised. And I don't think I've had such a pleasant surprise since I know who killed me on this. Yeah. Um, because swept away, you know, these films can be, these. I have no expectations. I'm dreading them. Yeah. You know, these could be pleasant little surprises. This was a pleasant little surprise. Yeah. It's never going to be rewatched. 
um, despite me, you know, what uh Okay, okay. If they release it, yeah. If they, so, if they re-released it, you wouldn't be like, "Come on, I would, I would, come I would, on, I would, girlfriend. Go we're going yeah. to we're going to Cineworld World and we're going to see Inchin <laughs> on the big screen." I would, I would, I would, and then we're going to join the Moonies. <laughs> <laughs> Have a mass wedding. Um, we're gonna. I would watch. I would watch it again in 4K or on the big screen without if you cut all uh, Olivier's parts out sorry cut all that out and trim it again it's a, what we'd say how do you make this movie better if you trim it and cut out the MacArthur stuff and let um, Ben deliver most of that sort of you know parts of the story yeah it could be easily made better yeah but it could really be easily made worse like, yeah you tilt that either way good point um, yeah so it's I, I would cut if I could make it better I'd cut Lawrence out of the film just have him you know speak on the phone to Gazara or whatever just a voiceover from someone who's fine by me yeah. focus on Yojimbo and Shaft you know, in the sort of the more espionage kind of parts of the film, that I, the James Bond parts, essentially. Yeah. And take out some of the weirder stuff, maybe, but that made it enjoyable. But yeah, the biggest problem is Lawrence, take him out and speed the film up, plot it a little bit better. An edit job could make this really watchable. So this apparently was an edit job, because I think the original cut ran like three hours. Uh, so I think there was a big chunk of the movie taken out already and i'm gonna i'm gonna wager that that wouldn't have made it better no <laughs> um, um, no, no no you're completely right i uh my improvements would be much the same as yours lose lose larry and uh <laughs> maybe introduce <laughs> sir sean in the in the lighthouse lighthouse assault but mm-hmm. yeah just tighten it up and focus more on the human side of things and the things that this film does well as opposed to like the big picture general christianity nonsense yeah i, I guess it's that's the problem as well isn't it it's, it's both trying to be a general macarthur picture and a battle of ancient yeah. war film and you can't have both take you know make your pick and focus a little bit tighter i want the battle of inch and stuff i don't want the macarthur stuff or maybe in a better different film i'll watch that but here yeah give me the battle of inch and, and the more exciting stuff and yeah it's fine it's not it's not the worst film i've seen from 1982 okay in in razzy worthy terms you would say right off the bat i haven't got close to the winners here uh, i did have a quick glance of this year's nominations yeah. but i've forgotten most of them because i haven't seen a lot of them only one is worst actor for larry like okay. you said that's that's a that's a tie-in i would i would absolutely stand by if you won i'm not sure if you did but if you did yeah. win that's one hundred percent hundred percent if this pops up for like worst director worst score no, it's not worst picture. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah th- I'm torn on the film. Like, th- there, there's bad stuff for sure. Oh, hundred percent. So, like, I can see it being like, I, 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 I think it's worthy of a nomination and could potentially s- squeak in as a win, depending on the weakness of the year. But yeah, I agree. It's not the worst film I have seen from that year. And so it's not Razzie worthy in that regard of there is a worse winner. But I could see a case like I don't think this is fundamentally undeserved. Like I, it was better than I expected, but still not good as we kind of come. No, uh, uh, that's it. And I get that. It's not, it's it's not a good film. I kind of have to keep saying that over and over. But 
it's not Razzie award winning bad uh, nomination. Yeah. I'll be fine. I'll be fine if it gets worst picture nomination and worst screenplay nomination. But if there's worst support and actors, I'll be pissed off. Or support and actress, I think she was fine as well. Yeah. Basically, the only winner out of them all guaranteed is Larry for me. The yeah. rest are, I, I, I'd argue. So, without further ado, let's run down through the nominations and wins that Inchin picked up. So, of yes. course, it won Worst Picture. It also shared Worst Director, Terence Young, Ooh. Tide, which, no, as we've covered, of all the things, like, yeah, I guess the guy who directed the big battle scenes did also direct the Laurence Olivier, I almost called him Laurence Fox there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sir, Sir, Sir Laurence. Um, Sir Laurence Fox. Um, <laughs> The guy who directed the good parts also directed the bad parts. Although, we don't know, we don't know. Terence mm. Young has disowned the film, saying like they turned it into Korean propaganda, which, yeah, they did, but maybe it's just I'm so used to seeing military propaganda now. Maybe in yeah. the early 80s we were in a rather more naive, honest time, whereas now when I go to see Top Gun or when I go to see Captain Marvel and then there's like a... US Air Force recruiting booth outside. I'm just like, yeah, fair enough. That's the world <laughs> we live in. No, that's fair. So, um, yeah, so I strongly disagree with his. I mean, even, even, I mean, I imagine it's really hard to direct Sir Lawrence in 1982. I, I assume he doesn't listen to direction at this point in his career. Yeah. He's just, you know, my dear boy, I, I know acting, I've been doing this since you were a child, sort of thing. And he's not to blame for the writing either. And, um, no, I I don't think he deserves that at all. I think looking at the big picture, it's easier to make a case for the film isn't cohesive and therefore the director has to accept some blame. But I think looking at individual moments, there's enough in this that suggests he wasn't entirely phoning it in. Like, yes. you can direct this film a lot worse, and certainly in comparison to other nominees, the ball has been completely dropped. But yes. we will tackle that when we come to it. Yep. Laurence Olivier won Worst Actor as Douglas MacArthur. My only issue with that is he isn't the lead, I don't think. No, he's not. He's not. He's a support actor. So again, you've you pointed out Mr. Razi doesn't cover this in his book. I don't think he's seen this film. I think he's seen... <laughs> He's seen the poster and he's seen, obviously, Sir Larry's name's you know, front and centre. So oh, he's must. So that's what I thought. I thought he was going to be the main character. If I yeah. if I hadn't watched this film and I had to like bullshit my way through it, I would have said he was the main character and he's you know parachuting in. And he's got a wife and he's cheating on her with a Korean. I just made it up. I don't think he's I seen know, it. And he's, I know you've said that you don't want to speak to him. You don't want him on the podcast. But I no. almost think that you do need to like bait Mister Razzy into coming in just so you can quiz him <laughs> on all the movies that you don't think he's seen so you can cross-examine mr razzy what color of tie <laughs> did sir Lawrence olivier wear in inchin well it Just was red <laughs> well mr razzy you see he was not wearing a tie at all <laughs> Um, just quizzing him on movies he saw 40 years ago yeah. <laughs> being like you can't he remember didn't... the minutiae proof you, you, you didn't, didn't watch it fucking he didn't have it yeah, this is a film you'd want to write about in your book about worse if you pick the, you've yeah, always got to write about them this is a film that like, this would sell some it. copies for sure yeah and but... no one's going to watch it no one's going to like prove you wrong so you yeah. can say whatever the fuck you want yeah. about it uh, as he's done here so yeah fuck this... him 
Mr. Razzy, how many times does Mike Lindell say wow over the course <laughs> of Absolute Proof? Counting down, 10, 9, 8. <laughs> we then have Worst Supporting Actor. So Ooh. Ben Gazzara, Jackie Treehorn himself as Major Frank Hallsworth. No, Is that a win? Uh, no, it's just a nomination. Okay, okay. Um, no, absolutely not. Strong, 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 no. Yeah. He's absolutely fine. He, yeah. Like... I really I don't have any praise for him specifically, but I don't have anything negative either. He fills his role perfectly adequately. So I would say he's closer to lead. I would switch them both, but obviously 100%. Lawrence Olivier is the bigger name at that point in time. Jackie Treehorn yeah. since surpassed uh, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> stage actor the world has ever seen. No, but yeah, no. Um, I I would switch them, and I also wouldn't nominate Ben Gazzara because I think he was good. Yeah. Okay. And then we have Worst Screenplay. It won uh, Inchin, Robin Moore, and Laird Koenig. Okay. So, yeah, obviously, I, I, I wouldn't argue the nomination for Worst Screenplay. I don't necessarily think it's a winner. I mean, how, how bad can you write? tank drives through wall or, you know, <laughs> men. There's there are bits I like, like you said before, you know, the having to shoot down the South Koreans. There's bits genuinely really good in here. And I don't know what's been like shadow written by or overseen by the producers as well. I don't know where the blame lies. It is a bit of a mess. Like I can't deny that. So I, I'm, I'm torn on whether it's a winner, but it's definitely worth a nomination. Yeah. So the, the writer wrote the, the French Connection book and also The Happy Hooker. So that was Robin Moore. And yep. Laird Koenig is also like uh, a, an, an an author, so it doesn't have like a great screenwriting pedigree, which makes sense because the movie isn't structured well. It's not it, it's not good as a screenplay. No. So as I said, beyond Sir Larry, this is the other one that I would say it's one hundred percent nailed on. I would kind of fight for any other nomination, but yeah. screenplay and Larry were the winners in my opinion. That's fair. And yeah, that's that's the final nomination. So it dodges it dodges score, thankfully, which as we called out, Jerry Goldsmith did a damn fine job. Yeah, I'm glad of that because I would have been that would have been really annoying. That would have uh, that would have been the biggest insult, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a score. It's not even like I really like First Blood score. Yeah. Um, the theme for First Blood is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, obviously, Jerry Goldsmith does like Next Generation. He does Star Trek motion picture and Star Trek Five, I think, as well, which we'll come to. Um, he's a great composer. This isn't memorable. But it's so fitting and it's so there's bits that are just genuinely everything's a lot of passion in it. I did read that it was a bit of a nightmare, the score as well. There was problems in the yeah, the music was recorded in Rome's studio. Uh, it was fraught with difficulties. The studio was not large enough for his orchestra and room noise made by the players and their equipment affected the tracks. Despite that, Goldsmith was pleased with it. He said he was proud of it. It was one of the better things to cite the circumstances. And I think that shows through. I think there's a lot of passion in it, a lot yeah. of effort. He, he's probably the only crew member not doing this as a job for hire. And despite doing another five films, you know, he's in, in this year, he's, he's still trying. And um, yeah. that's incredible to me. So, yeah, good on him. I'm, I'm, I'd be furious if he was there. Well, I think you will be furious about someone else who's there. And we will deal with that in the second half when we go through. <laughs> he's there for the first blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, coming up, second half, where we go over all of the other nominees and winners Excellent. for the year of 1982. Excellent. See you soon, guys. 
And so, in the Any Other Business part of the podcast, there were a number of films that we forgot to discuss in our swept away episode that we're just going to cycle back to. Because 2002 was quite a strong year, you believe, I, didn't uh, you, Kyle? I, so this was something Yeah, I did look up beforehand and forgot, basically. Okay, so yeah, there could, there could be a few I'm going to read out here as well that I'm that have been, you know, popped up a few times. So if I do, just just call me out on them, but I'll try not to. So yeah, I, when I was thinking about it, it's something I brought up before in a previous episode with 994, with Interview with a Vampire getting a win. Yeah. And I said then at the time, I can't wait till we get to 2002, because it's uh, the sequel, Queen of the Damned. And yeah. It's, it's surely going yeah. to fucking, because I remember renting Queen of the Damned, and you know, it was probably just a year or so after I've seen Interview with the Vampire, and I loved it. I was so yeah. excited for it. <laughs> There's and more? I, and I was so fucking devastated by it. And maybe it's aged better than I remember it, but um, it's got that new metal, horrible, industrial oh, no. soundtrack. Oh, no. is, Don't tell me is, Linkin Park do a song for I, Queen of the Damned. I, they absolutely they might do. Um, <laughs> well, if you give me two seconds. Um, what, a, a, what, a, what a decline from Guns N' Roses at the end of Interior of the Vampire because um, I am forgetting that <laughs> they featured that. So the soundtrack was written and performed by Jonathan Davis of Korn. Oh, wow. And track oh. number three, System, is performed by Chester Bennington of Linkin Park. Oh, um, God. It's got Papa Roach, <laughs> Deftones, Marlon Manson. Um, it is <sighs> the most 2002-ish film you could ever like sort of think about. It doesn't even get a look-in at the Razzies, yeah. which shocked me. It's just something... But then I got thinking about it, and I was like, what else is missing here? Because 2002 is a, it's quite a grim year for movies. There are yeah. some high highs, but low lows. So I'm going to read out some that I was very, very surprised about. One that you've talked about, uh, Boat Trip, starring Cuba Gooden Jr. Um, oh my god! Boat Trip yeah. was 2002? <laughs> it, it sure was. <laughs> Um, what? And it doesn't even get a look Hang in. on, okay, we're, we're re-recording the entire episode because I just need to rant about it. It ties in with Bond, we've got Roger Moore, like, we've got Roger that's Moore. the film where someone comes on Roger Moore's face, like, or they, they squirt sundown lotion on Roger There's... Moore's face, Cuba Gooding Jr. fillets a banana. Boat Trip is genuinely insane and horrible, yep. and it's... It's my Razzie movie of like. It's what's what you when we talked about one of the worst films we've ever seen. You you've always held that up in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah. It will be a special one day. We'll get the boat trip. So, but not even a look in here. Um, that is oh my god! Particularly when we're coming off like we're coming off like Cuba Gooding Jr. winning winning an Oscar for yep. Jerry Maguire. Like this is his high. This is the freedom of like you can do anything you want to do, and he does boat trip. <laughs> And is it, I should have known this, because is it not a 2002 movie because it was delayed post 9-11? Yes, it was, yes. They were like, the people aren't ready to laugh following the Twin Towers <laughs> crumbling. So, wow, boat trip. Yeah. Oh my God. So like, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, you, not, not even a look-in. So basically... Go I'm fuck just... yourself, Mr. Razzie. Oh. Attack of the Clones and not boat trip. <laughs> Fucking hell. Some that I, I was very surprised about as well. That so anyway, I'll just I'll rattle through some of them. They don't really hit that highs, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, they're they're maybe not as crazily. Few missing, things do. Few things do. <laughs> very surprised that the first Resident Evil movie never made it in. Yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul 
almost Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> always do that. Um, it is probably my favorite of the Resident Evil films. But yeah, it, only it, downhill from here. It is, you know, but it is surprised it never got a, a look in. I think we mentioned the Scorpion King not appearing, which is a surprise because the Scorpion King, a ghost ship. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, yeah, that's a classic Aberdeen or Port Lethen video shop poster. Yeah. Never, never rented, never changed. <laughs> <laughs> never looked in at uh, the hot chick starring rob schneider um, oh my god wow i've seen you... that because i i watched that in my rachel mcadams uh <laughs> marathon <laughs> so um yeah not even a look in surprise again just missed made in manhattan never got a look in either jennifer lopez and ralph fines which was i remember it sort of are you, are you sure i thought jennifer lopez was nominated was she oh well, like i say if i'm wrong okay. please call me on these <laughs> yeah, ones yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Because it's just my little list I've got here. One of my, possibly my least favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis, is That's not the even Tom Hardy one. Is it? it is the Tom Hardy one. Yeah. It's the violent action film, depressing and gross, and no one likes. I remember watching this as a kid, twelve years old, and even me, you know, not really having the fandom that I have now, hating yeah. it. It killed the franchise. So, like, that's got to be a look in at least. Eight-Legged Freaks. I don't know if you remember that with oh, David yeah, Arquette. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, I, I mean, I remember having good fun with it. But yeah, it has, you know, it had a big negative reception when it came out. Again, David Arquette doesn't do much after this. This is one of his, sort of his peak of what, what ready to rumble and stuff like that. It's all downhill from 2002 onwards. I always remember Scarlett Johansson in an early role. I have analysed that, the sequel to Analyze This, with De Niro and Crystal, which I fucking hate, Harold Ramis' film. Surprised it never even got a look in, because it's just shit. Another one I'm I'm surprised that never popped up was um, Austin Powers and Goldmember. Wow, yeah, you'd think Foxy Cleopatra would be like a... a certainty, at least least just for the novelty of, you know, ooh, ooh, she's a nominated... Yeah, I like I like gold member. Um, I it's my least favorite. There's only two things in this world I hate: uh, people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and people who hate gold member. Again, this is a, that's not one for me that is personal, um, but I, I do think I'm surprised to see it. The other one I have here is Halloween Resurrection, um, with the return of J- Jamie Lee Curtis and Buster Rhymes. Um, I hate this film. I mean. I, I like Halloween 1 and 3. I'm sure that's the only ones I ever speak about. It's the only ones I really enjoy. Uh, <laughs> H2O and Halloween yeah. Resurrection. I haven't seen them in a while, but they're easy targets as well. I thought there would have been a shoot-in, you know. Again, they're like franchise killers as well. It takes Rob Zombie reboots and stuff, and later reboots after that to get them back into relevancy. So, yeah, these are. this is what I was saying. 2002 is a gold mine, a gold member of just so many options to pick and none of them are as probably as bad as swept away i don't know maybe the hot chick and maybe certain other ones uh your boat trip as well but yeah you could have really had a good spread in your nominations here yeah for sure schneider cuba like yeah you could have had a way more interesting year than this was instead of harping on about one of the greatest uh, space operas ever made i'm trying to think like mr razi and being a spiteful hack as well i i thought one i was when i was looking up i i really like the film one hour photo i i think it's a great oh yeah yeah. i remember yeah he doesn't doesn't like like robin Robin. and at the time as well in 2002 a lot of people didn't like robin performance in it yeah you know it's post bicentennial man as well and he started to lose yeah it was popular yeah. shit on him it was sort of like pre-insomnia yeah, so wasn't it, it and 
that was like, how dare you try and be so dramatic? That's I, was, I was very surprised not to see this. And, you know, there's stuff like Bend at, like, Beckham as well. I expect, oh, you know. Yeah. Too, too British. British. You're not going to get, not going to get, it was an <laughs> international success and stuff. I don't know. Swept away yeah. is a fucking British yeah. film, isn't it? So, who cares? <laughs> Madonna's an international <laughs> icon, Kyle. She's, she defies categorization. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of all I wanted to bring up was, and it started with Queen of the Damned because I was, how interview yeah. with a vampire, Interview with a Vampire is a Razzie winning film, but Queen of the Damned doesn't get a fucking nomination in anything. And there's so many, just like I say, you can have a nice sweep, a nice little, buffet of yeah. films this could have been so many nominations <laughs> 2002's got some high highs and some real fucking a lot of dross you know stuff just gets shit out really quickly here so yeah very surprised for someone who like entire profession revolves around bad movies you'd think he'd watch more yeah i'm very grateful for you for following that paper trail picking at that thread of queen of the damned and just exposing like <laughs> boat trip having escaped <laughs> Like when you when you think about some of the films that are nominated or Razzie winners, as you point out, like so that means like this has a Razzie, and we're like Boat Trip apparently yeah. not Boat, one Boat of Trip the like worst films of the year. Crush? No, 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 we can't touch on them. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't get it. Um, so yeah, wow. I just wanted to put that wow, my piece wow, in there wow. because it's, it really bugged me, and it's, it's such a like I said, it's so much opportunity to go through. Two thousand two could have its own fucking second year festival or something ceremony for it because so many options here and you just not even not even looked at so yeah go get fucked mr razzy it's a, yeah. a recurring thing for me <laughs> fucking <laughs> first one part two and star trek five and freddy got fingered oh, they're all shit but welcome back to the second half of the podcast where we'll be covering all of the other winners and nominees from 1982 so we have for worst picture we have annie have you seen annie yes i have but I, i've seen it as a child i don't remember it being particularly awful so i don't really have a comment other than i remember some of the songs and things no i don't have a comment i don't really really understand why it's here but maybe it is much worse than i'm remembering it i've not seen it beyond like maybe clips of my mum watching it on TV when I was a kid, I'd be inclined to hazard a guess that this might just be Mr. Razzy hating something for which he's not the target audience. And then we have Butterfly starring our beloved Pia Zadora. So <laughs> this was her like debut, her, wasn't it? It's her yeah. breakthrough, isn't it? Is yeah. Her, yeah her... So I've not seen Butterfly. I actually don't know anything other about it other than it's got my beloved Pia. I so no comment from me so butterfly is like a kind of like drama like a sort of like small town drama it's a little bit there will be blood it's like a sort of family intrigue <laughs> and there's like a silver mine involved like butterfly is dreadful like i know i know we kind of semi enjoyed the lonely lady and i think i might have fought for pia's performance in uh, in that if i had seen butterfly before the lonely lady i think i might have been a lot harsher because i would just have zero sympathy towards her after watching her in this my eye of Sauron would be on her as like <laughs> this woman kind of act so now i know what audiences thought at the time okay. yeah. so is it worse than Inchin? yeah Butterfly is my winner 
butterfly okay. is like laugh out bad and really dull and there's like i don't think there's anything good in butterfly i was gonna ask because it's uh, it all goes back to casino royale how is orson wells in it i assume he might well we will deal with him a little bit later okay. on <laughs> I, I don't have it open um, but okay continue <laughs> And then we have Megaforce. Have you seen Megaforce? I have not seen Megaforce, no. So no comment from me. So Megaforce is Hal Needham again, who we spoke about as doing the Burt Reynolds car movies a little while back. I haven't seen it. We have the Pirate movie. Have you seen the Pirate movie? I thought I'd seen the Pirate movie. You would remember seeing the Pirate movie, but I, I have, think. No, yeah, I have not seen it. I thought I did, sort of when I had a glance at the nominations previously but no i don't i don't remember it so no i don't think i've seen it i watched it for this it's it's weird it's like so it's it's uh like it's based on the pirates of penzance and it's kind of trying to do like a blazing saddles it's kind of trying to do mel brooks pirates of penzance um not entirely unsuccessful but yeah, I would be lying if I said I didn't laugh at parts of it. Okay. It's it's bad in a lot of parts, but there are also some A-class bits. Like okay. it, it, this sort of tells you you have the you have the good and the bad. Um, there's a pirate. There's a, the lead is like a a a boy who's like, I want to leave. I want to get laid, and then he leaves, and he immediately stumbles upon an island of like young women. And as he extends his telescope to creep on them, they do the Hunter Biden erection slide whistle of <laughs> man with a golden gun. Yeah. So there's there's that, but then there is a really good bit where the villain of the movie is like he takes out his sword and kind of like leans on it, you know, like mm-hmm. but he's standing in sand, and so the sword just goes into the sand and he falls <laughs> over. It's a really good slapstick bit. I- um, I, I fear I'd enjoy it as well, just on what we were saying with yeah. like production values and it probably being with real boats and a real ocean. I'm a sucker for practicality, so I, I fear I would enjoy it. I think you might like parts of it. Before we go on, got a little yeah. thing to talk about Worst Picture, because this is something I was thinking about when I glanced at it. So for the record, I just want to get the worst film I remember and have seen from 1982 is Trail of the Pink Panther. Oh, God. So again, all comes back to Casino Royale, starring starring dead Peter Sellers. This is his first posthumous one with (laughs) Game of Death, you know, just shot in. And David Niven as well, and Mr. James Bond. And I watched the Pink Panthers about five years ago. I watched them all. I'm big Peter Sellers fans. I I like the first four. Trail of the Pink Panther is awful. It's disgusting. It's that promotional tactic of I, I like I say game of death yeah. I hated it so that would have been my winner but there's a one big name here that's missing that when I'm thinking like Mr. Razi and it's 1982 there's no Grease 2 and I love Grease 2 and I'm I was shocked I was absolutely shocked it's not even nominated because that's a that's a cat that's a name you know that's a thing to get those 1982 clickbait equivalents I am so surprised it doesn't appear at all i believe throughout this entire no. um nominations that's just absolute shocks me um, really positively shocks me yeah no mm-hmm. grease to just i wouldn't i wouldn't have picked it i think like i said i probably would have picked trail of pink panther but so surprised it's not there well i would offer to you our favorite stinker movie awards who as we know they're much more open to sequels 
Oh, yeah. And so on their their shortlist, Inchin was their worst picture winner, but their shortlist was Annie, Death Wish 2, Grease 2, and the pirate movie. Okay. But I'm just going to run through their list of dishonorable mentions for you because some brave swings here. <laughs> Amneville 2, The Possession, The Best Little mm-hmm. Whorehouse in Texas, Blade Runner, Butterfly, Friday the 13th, Part 3, 3D, Hanky Panky, Homework, Honky Tonk Man, Jinx, Kiss Me Goodbye, Liquid Sky, Megaforce, One from the Heart, Paradise, Parasite, Penitentiary 2, Pink Floyd the Wall, Porky's, The Seduction, oh sorry, missed out, Rocky 3, <laughs> Six Ooh. Weeks, Summer Lovers, Swamp Thing, The Toy, They Call Me Bruce, Trail of the Pink Panther, Tron, Yes Giorgio, and Zapped. Oh wow, oh wow, uh, I'm glad we're not doing a stinkers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus, I did, oh, the only thing I, okay, obviously Blade Runner, Rocky 3, Tron, all these ones are just fucking wrong, obviously. I thought Porky's was like 80 or 81, so I don't yeah, know why that's... Yeah, we've covered it before, but it's it's one of those weird ones where there's maybe some ambiguity in the release. Okay. Because I think... Or it's when Mr. Stinker sees it, that's when it that's when they count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's something that... Yeah, but at least he, at least he nominated Grease 2, so... Yeah. Is, again, I will You know what? Fair enough, Blade now. Runner. If you've, you've got the <laughs> Grease 2 call, so we'll let you off with nominating one of, like, a genre-defining classic. Okay, so back on track. Back so on remember, track. we were speaking about the pirate movie and how there's some good slapstick. That's a smooth segue into the person who shared the worst director win with Terence Young. It was Ken Anakin of the pirate movie, which I'm going to say neither of them deserved it because both of them show sort of good grasps of direction in some ways. And directing a musical, certainly like if you fail with a musical, it's abundantly clear. But the pirate movie is directed about as well as something of that nature can be. So we've just sort of discarded both the winners. So our other candidates are Matt Simber, Butterfly. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Butterfly, absolute mess. Give it to Simber. Like dreadful performances and not just from Pia Zadora, but from people who I know can act. And it's just like awkward sex scenes, totally all over the place. Like all of the red flags for a director. So yeah, that's that's the winner then. Yeah. Then we have John Houston, Annie, and Hal Needham for Megaforce. So well, John Houston again, it all comes back to Casino Royale, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> one, of, one of the seven directors. I'd forgotten yeah. that. I'd completely <laughs> forgotten we had that connection. Wow. So worst actor. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan the Barbarian as Conan. No, Ooh. no, no. Oh, absolutely not. That's one of his, like, defining roles. And this is just, like, Conan the Terminator, like, whatever else you may think about Arnie, like, these are sort of, like, star-making roles. It's the equivalent of, like, what he did with nominating James James Carey. Jim Carey (laughs) for The Mask and Ace Ventura of, like, you're just being a contrarian. And Arnold's great in Conan the Barbarian as well. Like, that's... I mean, sequel and stuff, like Red Sonja, obviously, are not as great performing. Yeah. The first one as well, he is fantastic in it. He is so charismatic in it. He's so perfect for that role. Yeah, strange, strange one there. What is best in life, Conan? 
to crush your Razzies, <laughs> drive them before you, and hear the lamentation of Mr. Razzie. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Luciano Pavrotti in Yes, Giorgio, as Giorgio <laughs> Fini. Have you seen Yes, Giorgio? Uh, I've never, I've never even heard of it. I, <laughs> okay. I know, pa- I know Pavarotti for other things other than his acting. Surprising. So, uh, <laughs> so I know, I can't, I can't qu- comment on his quality of performance. I, I assume it's not good though. But um, yeah, I have no idea. We then have Christopher Atkins, the pirate movie, as Frederick. He's not great, but he's young enough that he's. I'm inclined to write him off as just kind of raw as opposed to bad and he's not yeah he's he's certainly not bad he's just kind of uh it's a cheesy movie and he probably does the right 80s performance for it then we have william ames for paradise Mm -hmm. and zapped as david and peyton nichols have you seen either of those i've never i think i've heard of paradise i've never heard of zapped um oh god i've just hovered over zapped (laughs) The film stars Scott Bio as a high school student who acquires telekinetic powers, and the, <laughs> like the, the the poster is like a nice old fashioned painted like poster, but it's two guys leaning in a window, and the tagline is they're getting a little behind in their classwork, and they're pointing at like a woman's ass and using their powers to lift up her skirt. It's very porkies. Oh my god. We could have been watching Zart Day. Like, fucking hell. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm interested who Willie Eames is if Scott Bio is the lead. But, yeah, anyway. It's a double. Maybe in Paradise is the lead and they're just double down in it. Yeah. That's, one to do. that's a good call. And of course, Laurence Olivier, the winner. And he's certainly worse than Christopher Atkins and Arne, the two performances I've seen. Oh, yeah. So, worst actress, Mary Tyler Moore, six weeks as Charlotte Dreyfus. Have you seen Six Weeks? Never even heard of it. Christy McNichol, the pirate movie, as Mabel. I says Mabel. Reading this over, I kept getting her confused with the woman that sung Fairy Tale in New York. Yeah, it's just just the way to say that. So, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I'm like a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, I'm the fucking idiot on this podcast. Um, she's she's just the same as Atkins. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, which I'm inclined to say is is the movie. They 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 work well with each other, which is that kind of cheesy '80s musical. We then have Mia Farrow, a Midsummer Night Sex comedy, as Ariel. Now, is... I've spoken about my big loves of Nolan, PTA, and uh, Herzog. I don't know how much you've outed me as a Woody Allen fan, a, yeah, a, a past um, Woody Allen fan. So this is my... this is my, is, Did he... Is Woodsy a director on this one? No. This no, is... he didn't direct this. No. Oh, oh, he, oh, sorry. Yeah, he directed this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I just want to make sure I get my Casino Royale connection <laughs> once again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've outed you too much as a Woodsy man. No. I, I haven't heard of this one. This is not... It's good. Casino, it's not Annie Hall and it's not Casino Royale, so I'm, I'm not really <laughs> paying attention to it. How is Mia in it? Um, I can't quite remember her. Um, I, I watched the majority of his films when I was about 18 because I was like oh my god this weird sort of like nebbish guy getting a load of women is he a potential <laughs> role model um, but um, uh, yeah so um, it kind of blends in I generally I don't hugely like Mia Farrow I was always in the Diane Keaton mm-hmm. camp and Same. so when Mia becomes his muse I think that's a big downgrade 
and mm-hmm. there are certainly films that she's not good in, and I can't remember if this is one of them. But she was sure. never Razzie bad. She was just like probably not my personal tastes as an actor. That's fair. And then we have Morgan Fairchild in The Seduction as Jamie Douglas. And yeah, so no idea from this one. It sounds like an erotic thriller, so I'm surprised it isn't a Razzie winner, but no, I've never heard of it. Well, it says it's an American thriller and it follows a Los Angeles news anchor who is aggressively pursued by an obsessive male stalker. But the poster is, it's kind of like the great Gatsby eyes and she's in the middle wearing a red dress which she's kind of slipping off her shoulder and it's got like her bare back. So Okay, because I was I'm always su- saying by, by, the, by the description, I was like, oh, it could be like a play misty for me or something. Sort you of. think very unerotic when you hear yeah. obsessive male stalker. And then you but... threw, that the way, <laughs> threw that right out the fucking window with the poster. Um, the poster is going to be like, you know what, maybe he's right to stalk her. Maybe she's asking for it. Maybe she's always undressing in front of windows. Yeah, it's a bit De Palma from the poster. And then we have the winner, Worst Actress, Pia Zadora, Butterfly, as Katie Tyler. So, Butterfly is insane. So, (laughs) Pia Zadora is, like, a, a, a woman who, like, comes back and basically the... Butterfly is, like, basically a bunch of nonsense for an hour and a half. And then it ends with like a big trial okay. because Pia Zadora turns up on the guy's doorstep and is like, oh, hey, you're my dad and like, I'm coming to live with you now. And then they live together. There's a lot of sexual tension. And then like the guy discovers that like, because she is the daughter of his his wife, getting into woodsy territory a little bit. <laughs> They live together, and then he, he, the guy discovers that his wife cheated on him with some other guy, and so Pia isn't actually his daughter. And then they have sex, and then, <laughs> uh, and then they get brought in front of a court for incest, and Jesus. that's the, that's the like, that's the um, the sort of like climax of the film is like and it's so weird because obviously like Pia thinks that she's that he's her dad and he has this secret of he's like oh no I don't want to tell her that I'm not her dad she won't be as attracted to me <laughs> um uh, but um Orson Welles is going to throw the book at them of like well you're going to go away forever for participating in incest and he's like what if I tell you that she uh she didn't know is like well She'll still be... He just asks a load of questions in court, which nobody... Like, judges don't let you do that. No. Judges don't let you test out a defence of, what if I said this? I'm not going to say it, but what if Hypothetically. I did, If I were to plead insanity, how would you... Uh... And then he's basically... He's like, oh, what if I... Uh, what if I said I raped her? And he's like, well, I'd, I'd have no, uh, no option but to let her go scot-free. It's not her fault. And they're like, I did it, your honor. <laughs> I raped her. And Pia's like, no, he didn't. It was consensual. And then he's forced to have the Armand Tanzerian moment where he's like, I uh, I am I am not, in fact, her father. I am not biologically related to this woman in any way. <gasps> um, but it's just, it's, it's dreadful. And again, Pia is just playing like a sort of like naive, idiotic sex symbol mm-hmm. while her like husband is like, I don't know, lusting behind the camera being like oh yeah everyone wants to fuck my wife i'm gonna make a movie <laughs> where yet again the, the the drama is solely driven by people wanting to fuck my wife <laughs> it's gonna be a recurring thing isn't it like, yeah. 
Wait till we get to Bo Derek. And she's so bad because she probably has like in in the lovely lady. She's just passed around and then in and out of like a mental asylum, and then she gets that little moment. Whereas she's more of like a like a kind of like live wire performance in Butterfly, and she's she's really bad. Um, okay. So anyway, well deserved. One of the most cut and dry Razzie performances I have ever seen. <laughs> Moving on, worst supporting actor. Orson Welles, we Butterfly, as <laughs> Judge Rouch. So yeah, it all comes together. That's yeah. How how is my boy? He is. He's really bad. Yeah. So he's in it for two scenes. Like he's in the first scene, and I was like, "That's it. He's he's gone." Because they get brought into like Pia and her dad get brought into <laughs> court for some offense, and basically she like flirts with Orson Welles and he lets her off and there's like a really weird moment where he's just like he falls for like the Pia charms immediately and she's just kind of breathing on him there's like a really weird scene I might send you a screen grab where she's just kind of like and he's like (laughs) smelling it it's like it's so bizarre and like as a man falling head over heels in love with Pia Zadora he's not convincing okay He's a little bit better in his second scene when he returns at the end and like proceeds over the incest trial because he's a bit more like sort of hard ass like he's not a simp in that one. It's like the hard ass <laughs> Orson Welles that we know and love, but he is I haven't seen I haven't seen much of the bad of Orson Welles, but this I, is probably among the worst I've seen him. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I haven't seen anything off the top of my head post Casino Royale and he's Passed it and given not given a shit by then. That's sixty seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah. twenty years have not been kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, we have a bunch of them this year, but he was nominated for a Golden Globe for that performance, and this is a rare one where I'm going to say, you know what, Mr. Razzie, you nailed it. He is far <laughs> more like he's far more Razzie worthy than he is Golden Globe deserving. Then we uh, have uh, Ted Hamilton in the pirate movie as the pirate king he's not good i, I no, don't even know who he is so yeah he's uh he's a grown man and he's like the the, <laughs> the villain and maybe not razzy worthy but also not great we have uh ben gazara in inchin as major frank holsworth jackie treehorn kind of covered him michael beck in megaforce as dallas and the winner is ed mcmahon butterfly as mr gillespie is that um, johnny carson's sidekick yeah uh oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was as soon as you said ed mcmahon i was like that's his sidekick right (laughs) i was gonna go with the relative of vince mcmahon but yeah no uh he's uh uh yeah it is yeah there we go Uh, there we go. Um, all right. How is he? He's I bad. He's, okay, fair. He's also the one everyone's bad at. Everyone's bad in Butterfly. <laughs> like, Pia, Pia just drags down everyone she touches. But Ed is the one who catches them fucking. And it's a really weird, like, he's kind of, like, looking and breathing heavily. And then it just cuts to court courtroom. Um, with, like, well, I find you. You're both charged with incest. So, yeah, no. Well, well deserved. Because, yeah. Everyone's kind of bad. Stacey Keach is the lead. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so worst supporting actress. We had Lois Nettleton in Butterfly 
as Belle Morgan. I can't quite remember Belle Morgan. Um, is that the person? There's not a huge amount of female characters in Butterfly, so I'm guessing that might be Pia Zadura's mum. Anyway, it's irrelevant. Everyone in Butterfly <laughs> is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's Razzie-worthy. <laughs> then we have Diane Cannon in Death Trap as Myra Brule. Yeah, never even heard of this one, so yeah. no comment. Colleen Camp, The Seduction as Robin. Again, not seen it. <laughs> um, no idea. Yeah. And then we have Ratanya Alda, Amnivil 2, The Possession, as Dolores Montelli. Have you seen Amnivil 2? It's not. I've seen, I've seen the first one. It's a rare horror sequel where I had no intention to watch, so um, I have no comment. I, I will never see any of this film either. And then, worst supporting actress, this is going to come as a huge surprise to you. It's Eileen Quinn from Annie as Annie. Oh, Ooh. that's peculiar. Nominating, uh, nominating in a fact deciding that uh, a, a child like a well under 10 year old child is the worst Jesus. supporting actor of the year who uh, uh, <laughs> that's hell, unusual Mr. Rossi <laughs> yeah. um, so this could be the first must be the first I mean maybe the first couple of years we missed a child actor but this must be the first winner for a child actor <sighs> and I guess well, no matter what you can say about Annie it's bad or what well, I can't even remember that she's She's a child in the lead role, you know, like, yeah. and she's full of energy and has such a strange, vindictive, a horrible thing to do. And probably well, really affected her career, like I've said before. Like, yeah. it's just it's fucking cruel. It's a cruel thing to do. Through through wanting to give Mr. Razzie his anonymity, I haven't really thought too much about how old he is. But, like, you can probably, like, maybe do the maths on him being a bit of a boomer and then 1980. But it's just, it's fascinating to imagine a man of any age looking yeah. at a child and being like, oh, Hey, 100%. everyone, this little girl sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what I've said before. It's such a fucking bully tactic. It's something that yeah. punching down because you're a fucking hack that has been punched down by the world. It's so yeah. proto-incel. I hate it. I hate yeah. how angry and spiteful he is and that's such a fucking horrible thing to do yeah uh, pick someone from butterfly or something you know yeah like, fuck off like yeah but you're right it's just that she's the most famous she's the noteworthy she's the title character in a sort of reasonably big film like people people know her singing tomorrow he's just doing it for the clicks even before doing it for the clicks was a thing mm-hmm. but yeah at least now we know the Razzies is a safe haven and a safe space and this will no longer happen again as you have to be <laughs> over 18 in order to win a Razzie. Which, what happens though? What happens if there's an under 18 who's like, it's been my like dream to win a Razzie and Mr. Razzie's going to tell them, no, you can't win well, it. You, can, you can't <laughs> wreck. And will he retroactively, you know, if we get Annie her Razzie award <laughs> four years later, will he decline to offer it to her because the rules have changed? Um, <laughs> maybe maybe you can give her an apology at the very fucking least. <laughs> so, worst new star, Mr. T in Rocky Three is Clubber Lang. <laughs> I, am, I am fucking shocked uh, Rocky Three has not taken... Any punches, pun intended, up until yeah, this point. Yeah, Stallone. Um, he could have gone it, for Stallone over Arnie. Uh, <laughs> I am not the biggest fan of Rocky Three. It's one of my yeah. lesser Rockies. However, and I'm not a big fan of Mr. T either. However, he's perfect as Clubber Lang. He's got a physicality. He's that's perfect for. He's the opposite of Apollo Creed from the first two. He's got this great like 
he's delivers his line. He, he basically is a wrestler in it, you know, and that's the thing because <laughs> Hulk Hogan's also in this film and he's escaped yeah. a nomination for anything. <laughs> it's a strange one here that Mr. T, again, it's strange that Rocky III's only popped up here, but no, I, I disagree with this one. I, despite not defending the film too much, he is perfect in it. He is a perfect cast as Clubber Lang. Yeah, weird. And then we have Eileen Quinn, Annie, as Annie, returning to the well, deciding that one nomination is not enough, just in case her <laughs> career might recover. Mr. Razzie wants to nail that coffin shot. Luciano Pavrotti in Yes, Giorgio, as Giorgio Fini. At least Annie's in good company. Yeah, Mr. Be... G in Pavarotti. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Morgan Fairchild from The Seduction as Jamie Douglas. And, of course, the winner... Pia Zadora in Butterfly as Katie Tyler. And the little parenthesis says that she also won a Golden Globe for Best New Star. Okay. Which um, I wasn't aware the Golden Globe offered an award for Best New Star. So I'm going to assume now that, you know, they have Best Teen Flatulent Award as well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so the award isn't even, the award isn't blue on Wikipedia. So if they uh, if they continue to offer it for multiple years, it certainly wasn't a big enough thing mm-hmm. that getting conspiracy brained. It, it seems like something that maybe Mister Zadora bribed the Hollywood Foreign Press Association <laughs> into like creating a award for his wife, or, or maybe maybe it was a one off as well, and they just realised it's a stupid fucking idea. We can't do this every fucking year. <laughs> Christ, um, we've given Pia Zadora an award. <laughs> <laughs> So the people that she beat out were Elizabeth McGovern in Ragtime, Howard E. Rollins Jr. in Ragtime, Kathleen Turner in Body Heat, Rachel Ward in Sharky's Machine, and Craig Wasson in Four Friends. So the only one that I know is Kathleen Turner. Yeah, the only one that's lasted. Yeah, the only star that has endured. But yeah, anyway, that's, that's not the last... Butterfly, Golden Globe, and Razzie, uh, Razzie crossover that we're gonna have. Oh, okay. As worst new star, I think she's pretty, pretty deserved because as much as I liked mm-hmm. her and the, the lonely lady, I hate her in Butterfly, mm-hmm. and she's representative of everything bad about the film. If you, if you got a better, if you put Kathleen Turner in it, Butterfly would be a, a little improved. <laughs> Then we have Worst Screenplay, so Yes, Giorgio by Norman Steinberg, suggested by the novel by Annie Piper. What does suggested by mean? Not adapted? Just... Yeah, I um, I think that's a loose... I don't know if that's like a Mr. Razzie thing of... This is maybe the origins of the worst remake, ripoff, or sequel category. As you'll see, there are different... There are different... In fact, basically every every nominee has a different little addendum. So that was suggested. We have the pirate movie by Trevor Farrant, ripped off from Gilbert and Sullivan's operetta, The Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, it's not great, but there are some sort of okay jokes. Like... Uh, Nomination, but not wins, probably about the level. Sure. Butterfly, John F. Goff and Matt Simber, adaptation by Simber, based on the novel by James M. Kane. Oh, you're going to have to get the novel. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about that when I saw it was an adaptation, and I was like, maybe this thing works better on the page than in a courtroom with Orson Welles and Pia Zadora. But, yeah, um, it's true, yeah. Um, like, I don't know, incestuous romances might work when the audience thinks of it as twisted and abusive as opposed to romantic. 
<laughs> and then Annie, Carol Sobieski, based on the play by Thomas Meehan, based on the comic strip Little Orphan Annie by Harold Gray. And then the winner, Inchin, Robin Moore, and Laird Koenig. So no complaints there as far as I'm concerned. Butterfly, it's, it's, maybe, but... Yeah, it's the repetition. It's like every category is these films. Now it's Annie, Inchin, Butterfly, Pirate Movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's every single fucking one. Uh, I think these Where's are the Where's Grease? Five... Where's Grease 2? Where's fucking... Trailer Pink Panther, you know, these yeah. are, there's so much more that you've missed out. Even, no, yeah. You've you, you only seen five films this year, Mr. Razi, so it's the only ones you can fucking nominate. Don't. Don't speak too soon because we do have uh, we do have something just lurking around the corner which is going to make you wish that he just filled space with like um, <laughs> with one of his five movies. So worst original song, we haven't listened to these unfortunately. No. So we have no sweeter cheater than you from Honky Tonk Man, music and lyrics by Gail Red and Mitchell Torok. It's Wrong For Me To Love You from Butterfly, music by Ennio Morricone, lyrics by Carol Connors, sung by Pia Zadora. Oh, what? wow, this is my dream, Ennio Morricone and Pia Zadora collaboration. <laughs> um, wow, didn't didn't know Ennio did the score, you didn't, you didn't tell me that, so... Um, um, no, I did okay. not. Fair. So that was also Golden Globe nominated for Best Song. It plays over the credits, it's not good, but it's kind of like... It's probably my my winner, and it's just like a sappy kind of like, do 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 do, because heartbreakingly she chooses after she gets off scot free, she chooses not to be with. Oh, I forget, I missed the whole thing. So butterfly is the males <laughs> in a family have a butterfly birthmark. They have a genetic birthmark that's passed down, and that's what gets them off in the trial. Is Stacy Keach is like listen, Luke. Pia Zadora's child has a butterfly birthmark, which is proof that she's descended from this guy and not me. And then Pia goes off and she decides to be with with the father of her child as opposed to her fake dad, Stacey Keach. And yeah. like, there's a really cringe line where she's like, you'll always be my daddy or something like, <laughs> like he's like, you don't love him. And she's like, not like I love you, daddy, but he can provide a better life for my kids. So I, I need to choose him. But it's just, yeah, no, real, real CD, CD daddy daughter role play stuff. <laughs> so anyway, song, not good. Happy endings from the pirate movie, music and lyrics by Terry Britton, B.A. Robertson and Sue Schifrin. Can't really recall any of the songs from pirate movie. Coming Home to You from Author Author, music by Dave Grusin, lyrics by Alan and Marilyn Bergman. Author Author, are you aware of that? I'm not aware of that. Again, strange to see a film just pop up for yeah. one specific thing. But yeah, I've never heard of it. Who are? Uh, it's Al Pacino again. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the, the the poster is him sitting in on a on a bench and he's got a load of kids sat on his lap. It looks like a, it looks like horsing around. <laughs> Al Pacino's horsing around. And then the winner. Pumping and blowing from the pirate <laughs> movie. <laughs> what a fantastic title. Um, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. I don't, do you remember pumping and blowing? No, you'll, you you need to watch the pirate movie. I think I do. Bring, I think it, it, um, again, as I said before, though, this is madness that Grease 2 doesn't even get in a worst original song. Yeah. Um, the category made for Grease 2. Literally, you know, like, it's, it's 
probably one of the worst parts is the soundtrack and especially in comparison to the first one although again i like it i am so surprised that none not a single one got a nomination here it could be all six nominations and i wouldn't have been surprised so um very shocking not to see it here yeah well keep that surprise maintained because worst musical score the thing ennio morricone okay um <laughs> okay <laughs> i um all right so let me gather my th- so I know the thing wasn't well received when it came out. I know yeah. it's sort of retrospectively, retroactively become like a beloved film, great film. Wow. Um, <laughs> so the, I think anyone that's seen the film as well knows or does know that like, it's barely any Morricone. Yeah. John Carpenter and his synth. Yeah. It is the one of the best parts in the film as well to bring it together, such a set of mood. That's a strange one. I, I, I've, I've don't know what to say other than it's fucking wrong. I, I guess this is as close to Hateful Eight getting a nomination because <laughs> Ennio's score was reused. Yeah. Um, yeah, even my dog's against it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, absolute madness. Yeah, fuck. I don't like seeing Ennio pop up. It breaks my heart. I don't like seeing John Carpenter pop up. I, I don't like the thing being nominated. I'm very glad it didn't win, though. Yeah, because then I'd have been spitting blood. Um, yeah. Strange, strange one. It is at least this is one of the ones that everyone points to. So when I saw it was this year, I knew it was coming up like in the early years when they nominated Kubrick and they nominated Morricone. I was like, ah, okay, yeah. this is the thing year. So I was prepared for it at the very least because if I was just discovering this, it would probably blow my mind. Like, I mean, I, what I, are you on, Mister Razzi? What are you taking? This such year? a strange thing, and it's out of all the things of the thing to like. <laughs> it's such a strange thing, like to pick on. Um, I guess. I mean, Inchin didn't. Did Inchin? No, nope. we didn't cover Inchin. Yeah, Inchin didn't, and I'm glad. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah, strange. <laughs> So then we have Monsignor by John Williams. Williams and Morricone. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Monsignor, so I can't call no, it, not. but I'm willing to bet it probably isn't a bad score. No. Um, this John Williams guy doesn't know John, what he's John doing. Williams, like, his worst day has to be better than, I don't know, uh, the Honky Tonk Man or whatever <laughs> you know, score. Yeah. Um, uh, Death Wish 2, Jimmy Page. Oh yeah, okay. I I, I um watched the Death Wish films for the remake yeah. that came out a couple of years ago. Now, big fan of the first one, and I've seen a couple of sequels. I kind of remember the score. It's Jimmy Page in nineteen eighty two, so it's yeah. ultra cheese. It's yeah. hair rock. You know, um, it's fitting. I don't have anything bad to say against it because Death Wish two is a bit crazy and a bit nineteen eighty two. Again, surprise yeah. Death Wish 2 hasn't popped up really at all. Yeah. Um, again, I'll defend it to the day I die, but like, strange that this was picked on. I guess now, you know, what Morricone, Williams, and Page, what the fuck have they ever done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Butterfly, Ennio Morricone. So, this is where Mr. Razzi needs to develop consistent terms because yeah. actors get nominated for multiple performances so Ennio should only be taking up one space and it should be for his butterfly and his The Thing score 
Yeah. Okay. Which I can't believe I just said that, but like, if, we're, <laughs> if we're believing he should be nominated, it should be once for him as a guy rather than the two separate Yeah, pieces. that's it. It's so strange. Um, I, I, I feel like this is, again, he hasn't seen a lot yeah. of these films because, what was it you were talking about? Amityville 2. Surely yeah. that's got a worse fucking score than any of these. Yeah. He, he hasn't seen it and he's just filling out categories here. And yeah, he's categorization is so fucking wrong he's such a fucking hack uh jesus christ <laughs> so the thing score is a fantastic score to a fantastic movie butterfly less so i don't know if it's so much that the music is bad as it's misused so during the incest scene we almost get morricone's version of the jaws soundtrack yeah. so they're fucking in a cave and it's almost like i know i know morricone also you know is famous for not really having any involvement with a lot of his films yeah Just, here's, here's some music do with yeah, it what you will yeah. yeah and if you don't like it put a synthesizer over it like john carpenter <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough but still even at his worst like i say and there's more trail of the pink panthers fucking score could be on here they pick something else you know yeah pick something a bit more relevant yeah stop stop my boy anyway <laughs> uh then the winner the pirate movie by kit hayden so i don't recall the score really in the way that like i don't know i'm just a dunce so when something's a musical i almost don't really pay attention to the score as much because yeah, it gets 100%. overpowered by the songs so maybe there's like a cheesy 80s score but again it's that age-old thing of like if you're not noticing the score it's doing its job pretty much so, yeah. yeah anyway to end anyway, on that damp squib we have like, we have one more one oh, more, more bullshit category well it's the worst career achievement award which again this is just it's way too personal to be like <laughs> here's someone who i just want to shit on Okay. So it goes to Erwin Allen, the master of disaster. So uh Erwin you... Allen is of Erwin Allen Towering is... Inferno? Yeah, Towering Inferno, yeah. Poseidon Adventure. Okay. Like producer director. He... So he produced those films. He also like he, he directed he... Story of Mankind, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Five Weeks in a Balloon, oh, The Swarm, yeah, 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 Beyond yeah, the Poseidon yeah, yeah. Adventure. So what did he do that deserves the worst career? Because that's a good career you've just read out there for me. I mean, unless you really hate disaster movies. His last credit was When Time Ran Out in 1980. So he he maybe retired? He maybe announced his retirement? And Mr. Razzi was like, hang on, wait, we can't let this bastard escape. I need to <laughs> yeah. punch him in the face as he's heading out the door. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm not the biggest, but I've seen a couple. I've seen Tower Inferno. Yeah, and I think I've seen the first Poseidon Adventure. I I like them. I mean, yeah. obviously, compared to what what's to come, which is, uh, compared to 2012 and fucking Day After Tomorrow and all the shit, Moonfall that we're going <laughs> to get to, um, I'd watch them over and over, but I don't understand. This isn't like, you know, there's so many people you could be probably picking on it. 1980 that have had worse career achievements, you know, like fuck's Ed Wood doing in 1980. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. No, I don't, it, I don't. It's really don't perplexing it. because it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a category. It's so cruel. Like career achievement is nice when it's like someone that we've maybe not honored as much as we should have for individual things because they're maybe like, 
an iconoclast or some kind or whatever yeah, yeah. they don't fit into. It's nice when it's like a career retrospective positive thing. When you're just being like, hang on, wait, this is someone I hate who's I mean, escaped. Uh, yeah. It's just so, it's the Razzies to a T. It's what, what the Razzie should have done, and they can't do it at this point, but, you know, in the future, when you when you get 10 Razzie wins or, or something in your career, then you get yeah. a special award. Like, that's yeah. a nice little thing you can put at the end, and it's a bit more in good humour as well, you know. You've yeah. Got, here's your 10, you get a special silver raspberry or some shit, I don't know. But, yeah, it's such a weird one. I, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, fucking hell. Well, it, what's becoming a recurring thing for the podcast is just us ending on a perplexed note of, yeah. what the fuck is Mr. Because, <laughs> it's, it's, like I say, he goes through five films, so the same fucking five films, and at the end, he's like, you know what, fuck this guy. The um, thing, uh, the side <laughs> adventure. Like, you know what I really hate? It's the towering inferno. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe this is just because this is like the third year of the Razzies. Maybe this is mm-hmm. him just feeling like he's missed the boat, no pun intended, and he wants to have a go at the Poseidon adventure. But yeah, very very bizarre. You could even I would have even been more understanding with Terence Young because you know he's not down yeah. much at in the in the seventies. I haven't, yeah yeah I hadn't seen he you know he just he is a gun for hire. He goes through heaps of stuff. His stock falls off a cliff. Yeah, I would understand something like that. It's like you're fall of an actor or a director or something that's just doing shit but when you've done nothing really bad um like i don't get it i really don't fucking get it anyway yeah <laughs> well that concludes another episode as we say goodbye to 1982 yeah. and if you have enjoyed listening to us then you can leave us a review you can follow us on social media where we are watching worst if you want to send us an email, then we are watching worstfilms at gmail.com. And you can join us next week for a momentous moment in WWF history where yeah. we are dealing with our first real-time Razzies. So the ceremony is on Saturday. I, I say ceremony, like I don't think I I don't think they hold them anymore. I think it's just no. like a I think it's just an email. <laughs> Well, I I still kind of like assume there'd be like a a you when I was going to say Twitch stream or as you know a, a YouTube live or whatever a TikTok or something like some yeah. sort of virtual ceremony because like every hack ceremony just does that but um, no this is just going to be announced on their website like yeah, no fanfare yeah. the recipients the probably that... won't even learn like Darren Doe and it'll just be yeah. like a, a text from a friend, like, oh seems like you won a Razzie. Well, that's it. I mean, that's uh, that's always been incredible. The moment we've been learning about people that are so unaware. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, but no one does care other. Than, and I get that's why he does go for the clickbaits. And you know, we always talk about Mister Razzie going aiming for the low hanging fruit, but uh, whatever. <laughs> low hanging well, raspberries. <laughs> I'm I'm still very confident with my predictions. So let's see how they pan out. Yeah. So on our next episode, we will be tackling the winners from. Um, mm-hmm this year and you'll find out who is the true Razzie King with me and Kyle as we go through our predictions and tally up who got most right it's gonna be you I'm I'm dreading (laughs) it I I've I, I think a bunch of mine aren't going to pay off. So um... the hackiest, you know, you got to think like a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, she'll be a fun one. So catch you then. Join you then. See you.